and um, it's really lovely to see your faces here today. Um, I had a beautiful early start. Some small human in my house decided 5.30 was a really great time to get up. What is that? What is that? Nothing's open. No cafes are open. George bundled her onto a pram and they went out, you know, by 5.45 there the crazy people in a pram with a toddler looking for bakeries. Anyway, <laughs> that was my lovely fresh start to the day. Um, so I might sort of crash at about three, I think, will be my bedtime today. Um, we are in a little series right now um, on the letter of Philippians. Um, and we just thought it would be nice um, to just have a, a quick little tour of, of this letter um, over the next few weeks. Um, the really lovely thing about studying a letter, here's one I prepared earlier. Um, this is not the real thing. Um, but it's just that you're eavesdropping. Imagine if this was actual letter. You're just eavesdropping on someone communicating something to someone else. Um, and we learn small parts about who wrote this, where it's going, who's it going to from that letter. Um, but there are often many unknowns as well. And as we sort of take a little gentle look at Philippians, we're going to just acknowledge the knowns and the unknowns and not try and fill it all up with absolute knowledge of, well, I've, I've got full knowledge of this letter and now I'm here to distribute that knowledge to you and that the author of this letter is speaking as a voice piece from God directly to you and you are to apply every word from this letter into your lives. This is not what we are going to do. I'm sorry if that's what you had hoped for, but that is nowhere near. Um, we kind of acknowledge that for many in this community, myself included, our relationship with the Bible, um, we want it to be honest and authentic and that means at times it has provided rich nourishment and truth and insight into the divine and at other times it's felt so foreign, you know, and how it's been used to um, preach at us for people who claim to, that the, the voice piece of God that was spoken through this is now the voice piece of a speaker spoken to the community and that's caused a lot of damage and we've had big breaks from it. And so we acknowledge that all of us are somewhere in between. I've had big breaks from um, enjoying the process of reading scripture and I've had times where I've... Um, just gent gently found, oh, it's, it's, it's a joy to, to eavesdrop and peek into another world that seeks to know the God that I also feel like I have encountered in part and know in part and that we have a shared relationship with that, that divine God. So that's a little disclaimer. If you're a bit hesitant to, to do any reading or to, to re you may even find as we um, share some of the... Um, the letter on the scripture that you kind of get a bit triggered by just the presence of, you know, Paul speaking. That might be enough to be like, oh, interesting, Tamsin, you're going to, you're going to, we're going to read that, are we? Um, and, and you may be, there might be a word, there might be the whole thing, it might be the tone. Any of that can really just spark a, just a hesitation um, and, yeah, to acknowledge it, um, that may happen. Um, that happens to myself. That has happened as I've looked at Philippians. So you'll be in company with me as we do that. Um, and it's a shame that so often sort of these words or the letters have just kind of taken out of context and, you know, one small verse is put on a 
a poster and then someone speaks about that one small verse. And we, we miss just the letter of it all. What, what, it, what is the whole thing? Um, what's it all about? Who's it? We sort of just zone in too far and miss something beautiful in the bigger picture. Um, so over the next four weeks, um, we're going to be sort of touching on one chapter at a time. Um, not today, but over the next four weeks. And um, to get us through the letter of Philippians, which has four chapters, which is helpful. So today's just a little quick introduction of who's going on, who's who, um, a few people in the Philippian community, who's the letter from, um, and the relationships between them. So that's all we're going to do today. Um, <coughs> so versus this, so this would have been very similar to a papyrus of what it was written on. Um, so the Christian... Um, here's my little map for you. The community at Philippi, which is in Greece... Um, has anyone actually been to Philippi? No? No? Yeah, yeah. Ruth, Ruth. Um, so perhaps the big things to just point is um, Rome is top left, Philippi is in the middle. So Italy, modern-day Italy, modern-day Greece. And um, this, this letter is a letter to this little community in Philippi. Um, it had only been founded a few years earlier and it was a busy, it was a busy Greek city on the main kind of route from Europe to Asia but it had now been occupied by Rome. So um, that big green line is sort of Roman Empire. So Rome has sort of claimed all of this this area as its own and um, it was uh, an outpost for Roman soldiers now. So Philippi had been sort of taken over. Um, Greek Philippians had sort of systematically lost their lands and their rights as citizens. Um, it would have brought money to the citizen to the city, but perhaps not to the Greeks who lived there. Um, lost, they'd lost power, the, the power to vote, um, and pa- the money would have gone to the Romans in the city rather than the Greeks. Um, I can only sort of—I don't—I'm so far from living in an occupied world, but I can only imagine that if I don't know what's happening, what's going to happen in Russia and Ukraine. But if Russia does continue to invade Ukraine and occupy it what is going to happen to Ukrainians who own homes and land in Ukraine but now live under Russian rule um, and Russian rule coming in with the need to to speak well of Russian leadership and that you don't get the right to speak out. So kind of that feeling of what was yours is no longer yours and your rights and your power has been stripped from you and now you you may not be impoverished but you're definitely not empowered. Um, So that's sort of the recipients of Philippi. They're living under Roman rule. Um, And this little kind of Christian house church full of people, um, we're sort of visiting them, the recipients. So I'm going to just, you have to bear with me slightly, but we're going to just paint, use our room to just paint what's going on here. Um, We might... So over here can be our our beautiful Philippian community because I I sort of feel for them. Um, So you're all part of our Philippian community over here. And then over here, (laughs) I'll just... V and David are sitting over here in Rome. Um, I know. So V V today is going to be Paul. Uh, You can vent if you have any frustrations over the years of misuse of Paul and text. Just... Thanks, V. Appreciate that taking <laughs> taking that on for the sake of our whole holistic well-being. Um, and so Paul is over in Rome. Well, they think in Rome, not not for certain, but um, he's he's himself had a life-changing experience with 
with Christ and he's come to Philippi to share the gospel of Jesus. We see a really great little story um, in Acts where he's coming to find people to share the gospel with. So Paul has come over here to share the gospel and is looking for people um, without a temple, is sort of looking for groups who are praying um, to the Jewish God and finds this this group of women um, praying by the river um, and he shares the gospel with them and they have a radical encounter with the living God of some form. Um, perhaps, um, yeah, who knows what that exactly would have looked like. And that the, a group, uh, Lydia, who was a distinguished as the main person in that group, um, she responded and she's just this awesome character that, you know, we, we discover that um, an independent homeowner and household head, perhaps a widow or divorcee, um, and she no longer answered to any familial male authority. <laughs> Lydia's residence became the headquarters for the new Christian congregation in Philippi, with Lydia naturally assuming a leadership role. Um, so maybe Ashar can, can pop you as Lydia. <laughs> this wonderful, this wonderful, this cre- who's perhaps adopted a leadership role in, in this small Philippian um, community. Um, but we don't see Lydia in... Philippians, but we can just assume that Lydia, who started this sort of movement or this this community and used her home, um, has now somewhere in as part of the recipients of the letter. Um, Paul is writing from somewhere else um, in prison, and surprisingly, the tone of this letter is what kind of drew us perhaps to to Philippians. Is it's warm and it's familial, and it finds um, kind of an, a craving of connection. There's this sort of absence and we see a care from Paul to this side, to this small Philippian community. And we kind of get the sense that this community in turn has been caring for Paul um, and has concerned about Paul's well-being. Um, And so that's why we actually chose it because we're like, oh, there's there's a really a nice tone of warmth. Um, So we might just read um, the introduction um, if anyone's feeling like they can read Paul without being particularly triggered. Um, Would anyone like to read the introduction to the Philippians just to get a sense of, and perhaps look out for words of warmth, um, words of who's, you know, Paul's desire to connect and his actual, he probably knows them very well um, and there was friendship there. Would anyone like to read it? To all the holy ones in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with their bishops and deacons, Grace and peace be yours from our Abba God and from Jesus Christ, our Saviour. I thank my God every time I think of you. In every prayer I utter, as I plead on your behalf, I rejoice at the way that you have all continually helped promote the good news from the very first day. And I am sure of this much, that God, who has begun the good work in you, will carry it through to completion right up to the day of Christ Jesus. God knows how much I long for each of you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. My prayer is that your love may abound more and more, both in understanding and in wealth of experience, so that with a clear conscience conscience and blameless conduct, you may learn to value the things that really matter up to the very day of Christ. It's my wish that you be found rich in the harvest of justice, which Jesus Christ has ripened in you to the glory and praise of God. just like the term, how much I long for each of you um, with all the affection of Christ. Um, there's, yeah, there's this lovely personal connection that, that Paul's sort of showing in this lovely introduction. Um, 
So Paul, throughout the letter, as we pull it apart a little bit, you'll see that um, Paul's encouraging the Philippians to be shaped and formed by something other than the dominating culture. Janine Brown is a New Testament scholar that we'll, we'll touch on. Um, and they're needing encouragement to, to sort of tap it, to find, I'm assuming, what is at the heart of following Christ and how do we do that in a life where there's pressure to not, there's pressure. One of the beautiful themes is um, uh, love and um, kind of sacrificial love for one another, um, which was not a dominating part of the culture, the, the dominating part of the culture, um, but they're encouraged to, to love others um, and elevate those others around them. Um, so our beautiful Philippian community over here had sent some money over here to help Paul, um, perhaps on more than one occasion, and Paul wanted to thank them. That's why Paul is writing this letter back. Um, and the church had sent him this package, but they'd sent it wrapped up in the lovely Epaphroditus. Thanks, David. <laughs> so Epaphroditus is um, over with Paul, and um, it's kind of a character that we'll see. I just these random characters that they're just great to sort of meet. Um, so the package of money or other care items came over to Paul, um, and Epaphroditus was to stay with Paul um, and serve Paul as whatever it was needed over there. Um, and Paul came to value him um, deeply as a co-worker and a spiritual warrior. Um, Epaphroditus came incredibly ill during this time, deathly ill, um, but recovered. And Paul says this really funny thing where he's like, you know, I'm very grateful that he recovered because I couldn't handle it if, I, if, if he'd gotten sick. My, my woes would be too many if he died. It's sort of this, poor me, <laughs> if, if Epaphroditus had died. Yeah, Paul has some, some traits that I'm like, mm, you know, that's maybe lost in translation. But anyway, we wouldn't want Paul to be so worried. Um, but this, there's, if we're talking about relationships in the book, this, is, this relationship has become one of, it seems to be friendship and support. Paul cares deeply that he was sick. And now Epaphroditus, um, we sort of learn a little bit about him. So shall we learn a little bit about Epaphroditus? Does anyone else want to have a little read as we learn about Epaphroditus? Still, I think it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. He was indeed so ill that he nearly died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. I am the more eager to send him. Therefore, in order that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious, welcome him then in the Lord with all joy and honour, such people because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for those services that you could not give me. Any little observations? I've got a few from that. This little story of this this person. You've just got to love Paul's bluntness because you couldn't help me directly. Thanks for this guy. Um, yeah, you kind of get the picture that 
Epaphroditus is actually really anxious to get home um, to see his community again of people who care about him. He wants to reassure them that he's okay and that he's well. Um, and um, before, we're going to just meet two other little characters um, as we sort of meander through the people of um, of the book. Um, so Paul also names two prominent women um, in the Philippian church among his valued co-workers, Iodia and Syncate, pronounced, I think, just like that, but we don't know. <laughs> um, we don't see Lydia mentioned again, but can only assume she's somewhere over here in this community part of leadership in some role. Um, and it might have even been shared in Lydia's home. In any case, Paul singles out this female pair as vigorous spiritual athletes who struggled beside me in the work of the gospel. Um, The language suggests that they had teamed up with Paul to preach um, as well as exercise leadership within the Philippian church. Um, Unfortunately, they also had some disagreement that Paul points out um, quite publicly, which is, you know, I don't know if I would have liked that. Um, But he implores... Iodia and Syncate to reconcile their differences and, and uses the term to be of the same mind um, rather than saying one way or the other. He just says to be of the same mind. Um, I like that they're mentioned. I like that over here we have a sort of, I don't know if you two want to be <laughs> Syncate, um, these small characters are mentioned. Um, I was always taught that and this is, I would never recommend you Google these two characters because what, I, because, I, and look for images, um, because what you'll find is not something like this. It's usually like two women like this. <laughs> and they're like catfighting in church. It's kind of the picture that, um, that comes up um, in, in, you know, and it's usually attached to some sort of women of the Lord kind of, you know, blog where you're encouraged not to gossip. You know, that's kind of the picture of these these women. It's just it's pretty unfortunate that they've got such a for such a small piece of text which we see them, the church has filled in a lot of these gaps. Um, which is something this I don't know why we just didn't sit with the unknown. We don't know what their disagreement was. Um, and they seem to be in leadership. So perhaps it was incredibly significant. It could have been about baptism about the role of Judaism in the church could have been incredible but but somehow the, the gap was filled with with women cat oh doesn't even, yeah doesn't get this kind of yeah it is yeah and you don't sort of that they're more catty than this yeah yeah this is but it's it's um it's really it's I find it really interesting because I also don't know I don't know don't know when someone preached about this in my my Christian upbringing but I also thought that these women had a little cat fight I don't know I don't know who gave me that impression um, but it's unfortunate I, I I'd like to think they had a deep disagreement on something really important um, and that affected a lot of people in a weighty way um, and that 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 disturbed Paul. Um, that that was that division was real and present because Paul was cared for these like division is really hard um, and division amongst people you really care about is really hard and I never picked up the vibe of that which is unfortunate because it would have been perhaps truer um, to the text at the time um, I thought that was someone saying but it's just the water jug over there talking to me Holy Spirit is that you <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So just because I urge Iodia and Syncate to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my companion, please help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. That's all that's written about these two. Um, but, yeah, so they, they dwell in this community um, of care and network. Um, so this is sort of a few of the, the people that we see. I'm, I'm just going to sort of, today's just a kind of a quick little relational, as say, overview of Paul, Epaphroditus, and Iodia and Syncate. And it just paints an illustration of a community that Paul cares about, a community that's real and trying to figure out how to be people of this encounter with the living God. How does that look in a world that has is quite oppressive and they can't do it publicly, but they believe in it and have been impacted by it and they're figuring out how to do it. Um, Shane mentioned last week that, um, uh, that of his connection to sort of Churches in dispute where there's not mutual care, like the, um, where control comes into it, where there's not this mutual care and respect is incredibly destructive. Um, any church, gosh, any church it could be, where um, mutual care is not held at the heart but coercive, coercive power leaks into that and this mutual role um, is distorted um, it's, it's really heartbreaking when it's in the midst of a church sort of community. Um, and I guess in Philippians, I've started to sort of have seen a little bit of, oh, this paints a picture of people who care about each other, essentially is what I'm trying to say. And it's not dominate or power over each other, but genuinely care for well-being, for getting home, for that you're okay, that you receive this gift, that you still love God, that you're trying your best. Um, and that's kind of in the mutual care, it seems Paul sees the living God in mutual care, um, not in dominating control or coercive control. Um, Christ lives there in the midst of relationship. So often I've, over the years, really craved an encounter with God and sometimes missed the relationships before me that have perhaps held the God I've, cr- I've craved. You know, God, where are you? Tamsin, uh, let me give you a hug. Go away, I'm praying to God. You know, like that kind of, um, that feeling that, that God sometimes comes in the form of people around us and connection and community um, and loving community. Um, that's why when it is not met, it makes it harder again because that goes against the, the presence of the living God in our midst. Um, so in light of this, I guess, um, the Philippians feel like an observation of this little web of relationships passing this letter from Paul to give to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, David, you would walk across here to, to hand it to this community who would eagerly read it and want to know what's going on with their friend, Epaphroditus, but also want to know what's going on with Paul um, and would care what Paul's saying. Um, and Paul wants to thank and pray and encourage his friends. Um, so that was kind of what came to me in as I tentatively opened up the book of Philippians was just the care, the mutual care and the importance of kind of honouring how we look, we care for one another um, and what kindness looks like um, and that we sometimes find joy there, um, we find hope there just in the presence of one another. Um, and so I wanted today to open up a space um, here that where we can say a prayer for our friends. Paul's closing statements, um, I don't know if I put it, 
is give our regards to every follower of Jesus you meet. Our friends here say hello. All the Christians here, especially the believers who work in the palace of Caesar, want to be remembered to you. Receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ deep, deep within yourselves. Um, this kind of closing statement of Paul of like, you know, may, may you encounter the deep, deep love of God or grace of God, um, kind of wrapping words around that, that love is nice to witness. Um, but I thought today we can do that for our friends um, and say a prayer for our friends. And it may be that they, someone in particular, that you want to create a word gift for, um, whatever your view of prayer might be, but sometimes just making a word gift for someone that we say internally has a power that I don't even know impacts, but it means something. Um, we're going to, I've got some some candles here and I'm going to light the central candle um, in our tradition that often represents as the presence of the divine love of God. Um, and I encourage you to pick up a candle and make a word gift of encouragement to a friend, someone you know needs to hear something that needs a sense of uh, peace in the midst of a very anxious life um, or joy in the midst of a lot of despair and hardship um, and it doesn't bypass any of it. It just is this word raft. Um, Eugene Peterson uses the word deep-spirited friends in that we, we want to be deep-spirited friends for one another um, and, and perhaps in these encounters encounter the living God. Um, sorry if that's, as I say, I've been up quite early, so I'm sorry if that feels a little bit sort of thoughts jumping around. Um, but let's just have, I'm going to open up the space um, for a few minutes. You might wish to stay seated and just reflect, listen to some music that we've got playing um, or say a prayer for someone you know. Um, you may wish to come up and grab a candle and light it and place it in the sand um, as part of that kind of desire for your friends and those you know to be cared for, um, even if you're not able to do it yourself. Um, or you may even light it for yourself, being a kind friend to oneself if life is particularly hard and you want a little bit of space to pray and praying is hard on your own, um, then this is a little space to do that. Um, after a few minutes, I'm going to gather us for communion afterwards. And we love, um, I like the term, is it koinonia? All those biblical scholars in the room, have I got it? Um, <clears throat> and Paul uses this term at the start of the letter. Um, <clears throat> and it's termed fellowship. Did anyone grow up in a great church that was called fellowshipping? You'd go out for, for sort of brunch and it was called, I'm just going to fellowship with my friends here. Anyway, it's a shame the term has lost a bit of its vibe. Yeah, I, we, went to a, we went to a church that was called something fellowship. We could have been called Fitzroy North Christian Fellowship. Isn't that a lovely idea? <coughs> um, but the term's better termed as sort of uh, union or sort of alongsiding those with a shared vision, which was really lovely to hear your welcome to country of that we came with purpose. Um, and we get the idea of communion or community that we, we come together in union. Um, is it exclusively Christian? I don't like that terminology, but we've come together because the well, at the well of Christianity we've found something of God. Um, so we are unified in that um, and it's not exclusive, it's just where we've come today. Um, 
but I'll, I'll say a little bit more. I'm just going to leave that there now. And um, so feel free to come and I'm going to light the candle now. We're going to have a few minutes and then I'll call us up for communion. It's lovely to sort of be present to the care, even if it's not our words, but the, there is kindness around us and care for our friends um, in our community that we, we can gather alongside others' care as well. Um, we're coming into a time of communion and, as I said, koinonia, koinonia um, this sense of communion, community, with something at the heart of it that we share. Um, so we'll do that today. If you would like to participate in communion, you are welcome. If you would not like to, you are welcome. If you'd like to stand with us, you're welcome. If you'd like to stay seated, that is also fine. Um, but we will come up and grab a cracker and a, a very a beautifully filled <laughs> grape juice. Um, and and then we'll gather in a circle. Um, kind of we can keep the our sort of the candles as the centre of that circle. Um, before we say a prayer for one another um, as we go about being community, seeking well for each other, being the light for one another at times of need as well. So feel free to come up and get community if you like or stay seated as you choose. I'll just read a paraphrase of um, one of Paul's prayers in Philippians <clears throat> for us. May we find joy in the God of love, and maybe may we find light joy. May our love and our kindness be known around us. God is near. God is near. May anxiety not overburden us, but may we, by our prayers and unspoken hopes, communicate our deep selves with the divine. May God's peace, that is often perplexic, perplexing in light of all that surrounds us, work its way through our being and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you.